Hello, and welcome back to another edition of the Keisha Covered podcast brought to you by CapFed True Blue, our partner here at Keisha Covered. Uh, once again, we always thank them for, for their support of what we're doing here at Keisha Covered. And we are about halfway through winter championship season, although after last weekend, it feels like, uh, boy, that was a long weekend. I know that. Uh, uh, you know, we had a new format for state wrestling this year where it was spread out across three days, having a having three straight tournaments at each site, uh, three down in, in Wichita at Hartman Arena and three at Salinas Tony's Pizza Event Center. And, and uh, you know, Friday flew by pretty quickly. Uh, everybody was out of the out of the facilities before 6 p.m., but then Saturday was a was a long, long, long day, uh, at least a 12-hour day out at the uh, – out uh, the wrestling tournaments, but a, a fun day for for the ending of it, at least the uh, championship rounds. I thought uh, there was a lot of electricity in the air for those championship matches. And guys, just just to start off, what did you think of the of the new format, uh, having all the, all these uh, all these state tournaments, same site, same day, as opposed to spread out, kind of like they've been in the past. Yeah, yeah, I think I, I would echo what you say, Brad. Really, I like I like the first day. I mean, it was a day that really made sense. It, uh, you had your three sessions, and and it uh, you you got through two rounds, and and the rolling schedule it really moved at a good pace. I thought uh, uh, Friday semifinals, you know, were were. Uh, you know, was, I guess one thing about Friday is we, we, we talked about is how we got out of there pretty early hour, which uh, maybe that was a foreshadowing. Saturday might be a little longer day, but uh, yeah, Saturday's championship round. I thought you know really kind of what they did at Hart Marina took me back to, to the days the old Kansas Coliseum in, in Wichita when six A, five A, and four A boys competed uh, side by side. You had those three mats and going with the championships and. Uh, just a lot of electricity in the air for for those uh, for those championship rounds and and uh, you know I guess uh, you know what I saw of those it was it it, it was uh, you know you just had that you you got that atmosphere there where it was something and I to me I call them lightning bolts so there's moments in the tournament where something big happens and and uh, the the you know the the whole everybody in the in the building quickly realizes what's going on and and uh, really having that atmosphere you know it while 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 having one ad is, is probably a, a special thing in its own way like we've done in the past in the ad sites uh, having three just to have that variety and have to have you know all your your schools fans kind of congregated in specific areas of the arena I really. I really, I really like that setup. I think, you know, it's probably not perfect. There's probably some things that the coaches and, and uh, maybe the media are going to talk about here with uh, with Keisha over the over the coming uh, weeks and, and days. But but I think it, uh, for, for a newly implemented format, I think it got off to a very good start. Yeah, and then <clears throat> kind of echoing what Brent said, um, you know, in Salina, uh, you know, I wasn't sure how I'd, I'd like three mats going on at the same time for the championship matches. Uh, you know, I've been to Gross for the Gross Memorial Coliseum for the past several years, and I've always kind of liked that that one mat gets you know gets all the spotlight, the the one championship out. But um, you know, after seeing the atmosphere and and uh, just like you guys mentioned, the electricity, I I really did think that um, you know it was a positive having having three championship matches go go on at once. Uh, and, uh, you know, Brent and I talked about having a format where you go seven matches or seven rounds at a time and then giving a little bit of a break 
um, for the met, for the medalists. Um, I thought that that worked well too. Um, you know, just kind of everybody got a chance to kind of recharge after the first, after the first seven rounds of championship bouts. And I know it was, it was advantageous for the media to track down all of our, all of our state champions. So, um, you know, overall, yeah, um, it did seem like it kind of took a while to, to get to that final chance to the final round of championship matches. It kind of lingered a little bit throughout the day, but, uh, you know, overall I thought it was, it was a decent format and can be an even better format with a few, uh, tweaks here and there. Yeah. And on that point of, uh, you know, few tweaks, just figuring it out. Like, uh, I, I think with the logistics, there's obviously things that could, uh, help people out that probably the biggest negative that, you know, I heard, uh, one of the uh, champions was just telling me the three days of, uh, getting yourself ready for wrestling for, for these competitors, uh, can be, take a little bit of toll in the body. You know, you think you're spreading it out more, uh, same number of matches over three days, but it's really them getting themselves warmed up and prepared three different times, uh, keeping themselves on point and so you know they thought it was a, a few more aches and pains afterwards than maybe last year uh but also that same competitor said a hundred percent worth it um uh, particularly for girls wrestling and having that where uh you know it was in the middle of the week and i honestly it just felt unfair to have happen and i know a lot of the coaches uh brought that up in in previous years uh so just from that perspective figuring out how to to kind of improve what we saw on this year would be really great because the added benefits uh definitely feel like that's worth being kind of the the model going forward yeah i thought it was great uh just a great overall atmosphere i thought uh, you know having having that many people in the in the, in the uh, salina tony's pizza event center really uh really had a buzz throughout the whole place and you know th- yeah there's some tweaks that we could go on i think you know maybe one of the things is moving those champ uh, consolation semifinals from Saturday morning to maybe a Friday night and instead of going on a single mat, maybe spread them out on a couple different mats and go through that round on, on Friday night and, and make just our championship uh, championship Saturday be just the place, the metal placing rounds. And uh, so that could be something that they look at in the future. But uh, overall I thought, yeah, it was for, for a new, a new deal. It was something that was really well received for the most part across the, uh, across the, across the board. So, you know, with that, uh, we'll, we'll now take a look at, uh, at the championships for each one. And we'll start with the championships down in Class 6, 6A and Class 5A down in Wichita. We'll go through the boys first, and then we'll go through the girls. And, and for the boys in Class 6A, you had, uh, you had a heck of a team race there. You had Mill Valley, Washburn Rural, and Manhattan really separated themselves uh, from the top of the pack. And uh, and all of them had multiple multiple finalists, so it was gonna it was really gonna be a, a fun fun finale on Saturday just to kind of see how things ended up working out. And and as it works out, uh, you know, Washburn Rural had won the Centennial League and its regional title, but Manhattan gets the final word and they pull out the uh, the state championship there in Class Six A. Um, you know, the Class Six A boys, you look at it, Manhattan um, just you know, wins by a very narrow margin in, in that tournament. Uh, you know, they, 
they uh, they had finalists and at, at several weight classes, and they finished with 185 points. Uh, Mill Valley second with 175 points, and then Washburn Rural was third with 170. And really, Mays was kind of right in there too at 155. And and had Mays not had a big upset down at the tournament, uh, you know, they might have been right right in there factoring in the uh, in the mix. And I'll let you guys uh, we're down in Wichita, kind of talk to it. I know you were focused on different mats for for the championships, but you got some of the action uh, leading up to those finals. And, and uh, you know, just what, what stuck out with you in, in Class 6A? Well, I think when, when you look at Manhattan winning the title, uh, you know, it, it, they obviously have their two individual champions, uh, Caleb Hutchinson and Ezekiel Witt. Uh, but they, they placed nine guys in the top five. And, uh, you know, that's a way to flip those that Centennial League and that regional result is to have that depth all step forward. And, um, you know, we've – You've covered enough wrestling, Brent, and you talk to talk to David Parker at Washburn Rolls Girls is always the example. I think they do their damage in that consolation bracket and then tend to, you know, maybe not produce a lot of individual champions, but but they really show how a tournament is won. And I think Manhattan, maybe that's kind of what separated them uh, in this tournament. Uh, you know, they got those they got those two championships, obviously great seasons capped by Hutchinson and and, uh, and by Witt, uh, but but really to to add to, to get, you know, the majority of your qualifiers on the medal stand. That was really, I think, what, what it was all about. Uh, uh, you mentioned, you know, for, for down here in the Wichita area, uh, I, I think, you know, I, I'll, I'll go back to those lightning bolts, and I really saw one from uh, in the very first 6A final at 106 with uh, uh, Jaden Grijalba of, of Derby uh, knocking off top the, the top-ranked Braden Pacheco at Garden City. Uh, six to four sudden victory and and uh that was one of those moments where the crowd just uh, uh you know when when uh, Grijalva got his his victory uh very electric moment and it was an, uh, an emotional moment Pacheco was really frustrated uh uh you know because I, I think he <laughs> he obviously had his sights on the title and and uh, that was a hard-fought match a very intense emotional match and and uh, provided one of those uh one of those interesting moments for sure and uh you know Mays down here for for my area in, in Wichita, uh, had two seniors, Aiden Flores and and Ronan Wunsch, who who've gone undefeated all year, and and uh, Flores is a returning champion, and uh, but uh, uh, Wunsch was looking for his first, and he got knocked off, <clears throat> knocked off in that quarterfinal round, and and uh, you know it was just one of those kind of very disappointing for him, I think, to to you know because you got that that far, and and uh, to have it. Uh, have it uh, pulled out from under you. I think, you know, it, it was a good job by him to come back and and uh, uh, finish third. And, and that's happened a couple times down here in Wichita. The guy that got – that knocked off the uh, the favorite uh, ended up – the favorite get, returned the favor in the in the final round and, and Ronan Wunsch comes back and, and, and defeats Mason Hopper of Derby who, who beat Wunsch uh, earlier in the tournament. Uh, he he beats uh, Hopper four to nothing in the in the third place match. So uh, it's still a, just a great season for for running lunch with that one one loss. And then Flores is his buddy uh, at the one ninety final comes back and and uh, you know kind of takes care of business throughout the tournament. Uh, finishes his his uh, career with a forty seven and zero senior season. Uh, defeats Olathe Northwest Caleb Sharp uh, eight to nothing in a major decision in the in the final. And just a uh, you know I've been watching him for three years. Just a, a tremendous. Uh, tremendous talent. Uh, you know, I, my first look at him was when he knocked off a uh, Goddard's Quentin Sanders in a, in a regional a couple years ago, and and 
uh, I've just kind of followed him all along. Great football player down here for Mays and, and uh, really uh, just an outstanding wrestling career cap there for him at, at 47 and 0. And, uh, you know, so that's kind of, I guess, from the Wichita area perspective, uh, kind of the, those those big moments came at the beginning with Grijalva at 106 and, and then Flores uh, obviously uh, capping his un, unbeaten season uh, at 190. Yeah, I think one of the cool moments for, you know, Mill Valley not able to get the, the, the team title. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, having those guys in the finals that, you know, Dylan uh, Cooper and, and, and having uh, Colin McAllister be ones that kind of got the consolation last year when they didn't weren't able to, to, to bring home the, the, the state championship as a team, you know, they get to win their individual state championships and, uh, Maddox, uh, Casella, you know, I finished third last year after I think the previous year and, uh, I don't believe he placed. Um, and you know, he, he, he just keeps moving up, moving up. And, uh, you know, for this year, you know, they don't, they don't get the team title, but he gets to have, uh, you know, that, uh, championship wins at 126 and, and and joins the other two from mill valley uh you can see the photo that uh that mike garza of uh furious sports photography caught of him uh you know we see all the time when celebrating from a leap to the coach uh but he was going for like a long jump i guess he might uh we might see him win a state title uh here in the spring because uh he went from really far back to, to jump into his coach's arms. And luckily nobody got hurt there, but, uh, you know, a fun celebration for them. And, you know, it's really cool to see them, you know, get those moments, even though, you know, once I know that all of them were, you know, just dead set on winning as a team. And those are, you know, team first guys that just happen to be, uh, really good wrestlers and really accomplished, uh, you know, uh, performers, uh, at the, the state tournaments, uh, during their careers. And, uh, you know, uh, another one, was just the the finish for uh 285 uh brett carroll uh it stopped being the uh pin show a little bit late there and you could almost see uh particularly uh as the the match with sebastian lopez in the semifinals was going long uh and you could just see him leave the mat and you know i talked about heading into this uh tournament how part of what got Brett Carroll here and got him to where he could, you know, try to finish his career with not only the state record for pins, but a undefeated season, his second state title. Uh, it's all about him seeing the little things and wanting to improve on it. And uh, he left, uh, you know, that win uh, over Lopez, not nearly as happy uh, as uh, he was the year before jumping through the air. Uh, he looked very angry. Uh, and you could see him uh, take that out a bit when he went up in the finals against the late the South, Jaden Barry. Still wasn't able to get the pin, but takes that 3-0 decision, controls that match, and and ends up uh, leaving with with his second state title. And, uh, you know, just it shot out to you know Jaden Barry though even getting to that point uh needing to to knock off uh Derby's uh Colvin uh in in his semifinal match and that one uh went down to to sudden victory uh and and he just uh you know took him down one more time because uh you know to that point you know he he uh he they they were like going at each other so aggressively and just every time it looked like a takedown would happen these big boys are throwing each other around and uh just it, each one just not willing to do it until finally it just looked like uh 
Barry had just a little bit more legs left and, and was able to get Colvin to, to the ground and, and, and celebrate that victory. And that was a really big moment. I know he's still very disappointed because even after I asked, you know, what does it mean to you to just make it to the finals? And he said, no, it's not, it's not over. I need to win that state championship. That's all that matters. So, uh, but hopefully after it's over, he can and start to look back on that and, and, and uh, enjoy what was a pretty amazing performance for him uh, at this state tournament and, yeah, just, you know, you guys mentioned all the ones from Manhattan. Uh, just it, amazing work, and, and, and it's uh, very interesting to, you know, see the, the different guys, you know, uh, Ezekiel Witt dominate, staying down at one of the lower classes. But uh, I'm always impressed seeing uh, Easton Brocksterman each year as he just slightly moves up a little bit of the weight classes. And, uh, you know, it, he's a technician and going up against some guys, you know, kind of pushing himself. Uh, he's had no problems making those transitions each year. So shout out to, to Easton Broxman of, of Washburn Rural. He had an amazing performance as well. Yeah, rural rundown. Hit the state champions of each weight class here real quick. Uh, class 6A, uh, 106 pounds. Uh, state champion Jaden Grijalva of Derby. He beats Braden Pacheco of Garden City 6-4 in overtime in their championship match. At 113, Ezekiel Witt of Manhattan finishes off a 43-0 season by pinning Olathe North- Northwest Gabe Sherrill at 113 pounds. At 120, Manhattan Caleb Hutchinson gets his second state title, uh, avenges a regional loss to Matt Long of Garden City, takes a 4-3 win to win his title there. Uh, Maddox Casella of Mill Valley wins at 126 with a 6-2 decision over Aiden Stewart of Olathe East. At 132, Easton Broxman of Washburn Rural, Tech Fall victory over Vincent Rosas of Maine. Mays, I'm sorry, have Mays 15 to nothing there. Uh, Dylan Cooper of Mill Valley wins the 138 title with an 11-3 win over uh, state champion from a year ago, Landon Coacher Munoz from Washburn Rural. At 144, Cason Smith of Gardner Edgerton. Uh, he sets his uh, school record for victories in a season uh, with his 44th. He pins Derby's Diego Ghana in the finals for the 144th title. Uh, Washburn Rural goes back-to-back at 150 and 157. Christian Marshall at Rural wins a 10-8 overtime decision over Brady Mills- Mason of Mill Valley for the 150 title. And then Brody Byrne, his practice partner, gets the 157 title with a 6-4 win over Olathe East's Ender Ryder. At 165, Colin McAllister of Mill Valley wins his second straight state championship with an 8-0 decision over Mays' Everett Joyce. At 175, Jacob Vasquez of Olathe North takes a 3-1 overtime win over Adam Hageman of Shawnee Mission Northwest. At 190, Aiden Flores completes the undefeated season with an 8-0 decision over Olathe Northwest's Caleb Sharp. At 215, uh, Christopher Wash Jr. of Mill Valley uh, gives them a fourth state champion. He uh, pins Free State's Blaine Larkin in the finals to win the 215. And then at 285, as Max said, Brett Carroll of Olathe East caps an undefeated season with a 3-0 win over Jaden Berry. And so that is your Class 6A race. And Class 5A, Scott, uh, you were kind of focused on 5A on Saturday. And and uh, a familiar face is back atop the Class 5A standings uh, with Goddard uh, reclaiming its state title this year. Yeah, you know, the shuffle uh, of classifications. Uh, Mays, Mays ends, ends Goddard's uh, eight-year run last year to, to win the state title. And then Mays climbs up to 6A and – and 
you know, maybe you think automatically, well, the Goddard, Goddard, can, Goddard will just be back and get it, right? Well, you know, they, they were an outstanding team. They're obviously, 11 state qualifiers, and, and they end up with, with three champions. And before I go any further, I just got to mention this. Goddard and Arc Valley Chisholm Trail Division II uh, produces three champions. That league produced 10 of the 14 individual champions um, in, in the uh, 5A meet. Just an incredible, incredible showing uh, as the top three finishers, Goddard, uh, Andover, and Valley Center, all have three champions apiece. <clears throat> and then uh, Salina Central adds one to, to give that league 10 of the 14 individual champions. But, yeah, getting back to Goddard, uh, you know, an outstanding team, but one one that really dealt with a lot, I think, this season injury-wise. They had uh, some really key wrestlers out for long periods of time and some who, you know, <laughs> Kind of, kind of wrestled through the pain the entire season, and two of those guys happened to to win championships. And it started with uh, sophomore Colton McElwain at uh, uh, 126 pounds. He uh, last year as a freshman at the regionals had had torn his UCL, his ulnar collateral ligament in his right elbow, <clears throat> and they didn't want to do surgery because he was was uh, you know they thought he was too young at that point, so they just did therapy to heal it. Well, on like the first week of practice, he tears it again. Uh, in a sophomore season, uh, after letting it heal through the summer, so he's he's wearing a wrap all season. The coaches are kind of nursing him, and he he comes through uh, through that injury and, and pulls out a, an eight to seven victory over Salina Central's Jace Adams Adam in the 126 pound final. A really good active match. A lot of close matches in the in that championship round, and and uh, McElwain who who held off surgery because he said, this is, this is the year I'm going to win the state title. And, and he, you know, he called a shot and ended up backing up those words and, and uh, gets Goddard a title at 126. And then Jacob Goodwin, uh, the, the champion last year at, at 144 pounds in 5A, uh, he comes back and wins at 150. But his story uh, through midway through the season, after opening the season with some back ailments uh, about midway through the season, uh, he tore the meniscus in his right knee and missed some time. And then, uh, so they kind of nursed him through the second half of the season. And, uh, Jacob just obviously a great talent. Uh, just as long as he could get out on the mat, he was going to, he's, he was going to have the potential to, to, uh, to win a state championship. And then he delivers a big performance in, in the, in the championship round, pinning, uh, great Ben's Cooper Lyles in the second period, uh, to win his second state title. He was kind of a, uh, one of those, Cool little first last year when he and his sister Ashlyn uh, became the first brother sister duo to win a state to win state titles together in the same season, and, and then uh, Jacob goes out this year and, and gets his second, and then the third uh, the third title from Goddard comes at 165 pounds from junior David Sample, and Sample uh, pulled off one of those. You know, there were about three or four matches in that championship round in 5A that uh, were what I would call uh, you know last second shots, buzzer beaters, whatever, and. And none was none was more was closer to the finish line than than Sample. Uh, he he had a familiar opponent in the championship round in uh, uh, Newton's Keon Edwards, and uh, they were tied one one deep into the match. And and Sample basically had enough time left for one uh, one shot, and he took it. He got Edwards around the waist and and twisted him to the mat and, and scored the takedown with one basically one second left on the clock and got a three to one victory. So. Uh, Goddard sends five to the finals. That was the most by any school. Uh, Oscar Guana at, uh, uh, at 106 pounds uh, came up just short. And then uh, uh, Preston Hagel <clears throat> uh, competed uh, against Cape of Mount Carmel's football standout Omari Elias in the 190-pound final. And, and Elias took that one three to one. But uh, 
three and two record for, for Goddard in the finals. And, and, uh, they, they also, uh, you know, kind of piled on the, <clears throat> on the points in the consolation round. They did have one of the, uh, the bigger bumps in the road to overcome their, their, uh, outstanding senior, uh, Zachary Wesley, uh, lost his, uh, quarterfinal match on the first day of the tournament. And that was one of those lightning bolts I keep coming back to, uh, uh, Hayes's and Johnny Riggler. I caught him, caught, caught a good one off balance and, and pinned him in the second uh, period of their quarterfinal match. And, and really that was a, that was a jolt, um, you know, for the, for the Goddard team, coach Brett Main said, yeah, our guys were shocked by that, but we just had to, to kind of regroup and, and push through it. And, and, uh, Wesley, uh, was able to work his way through the backside. He actually, he was unbeaten going into the tournament, ended up losing his second match, <clears throat> uh, in the consolation, uh, on the consolation side to end up in the fifth, in the fifth place match, uh, before coming back and facing Riggler again, uh, in this fifth place match. And then Wesley goes out, ends an outstanding career, uh, state champion as a, as a freshman and then a third place finisher as a sophomore and second place finisher as a junior goes out with a fifth. And then, and Riggler was waiting for him in the fifth place match, but this time Wesley got him in a, in a big 17 to two technical fall. So that was, that was one of those guys where you kind of fell for. Uh, cause you know, you know how badly a senior wanted to go out with a second state title after winning, winning his first as a freshman, but, uh, uh, Wesley's performance helped Goddard kind of get over, you know, create that gap that, uh, uh, allowed them to, to win in 5A as well. Uh, and then, you know, we're talking about the trio of champions and, and Andover comes up, uh, with, sec- with a second place team finish that, uh, thanks to three champions and they get, a second straight title, <clears throat> excuse me, from senior uh, Adam Mackey at 138 pounds. Uh, just a, an outstanding wrestler. He won last year with a 51 and one record. Defends that title in, in the weight class uh, with a with a victory uh, over May South freshman Josh Kern. And uh, so he ends up with 100 victories over his last two seasons. Just an outstanding career for Mackey. Uh, but the guy was. Uh, uh, I guarantee you, as happy as he was to win a title, he was even happier for his teammates. Uh, he followed Luke Potter. Uh, Luke went out in a 132-pound match and and pulled off one of those buzzer beaters. He got a, a takedown with about 11 seconds left to defeat St. James's uh, Will Burchard, three to one. And uh, uh, kind of at the start of that match, when Potter was uh, was on the on the mat, Mackey was off to the side just yelling and and uh, maybe talking a little smack for his buddy and and. Uh, 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 the Andover coaches kind of had to turn around and say, Hey, Adam, let's, let's calm down a little bit here. And then, uh, so just an interesting, uh, interesting environment there that Mackie was excited for his buddies and, uh, Potter goes out and gets his first state title uh, as the top ranked 132 pounder. And then the, you know, Trojans go three for three. They get another great performance at 157 from, from Bradley Trimble, uh, who came into the tournament unranked. And I think it was maybe just a, probably an anomaly because of a, a, a tough regional, but the Trimble was just outstanding in the 157 pound final, uh, against number two, Cade Smith of Hutchinson, uh, defeated him 14 to three and really just controlled that match and, and, uh, was outstanding throughout, uh, and caps his season with a 51 and six record. So, so Andover goes three for three and then Valley center also goes three for three in the, in the uh, finals round. And, and that's what helped them probably slip past Newton for that third place trophy uh, in 5A. They get titles from junior Braxton Moody, uh, who came out and, and uh, provided the lone uh, first period pin of the championship round, uh, knocking off uh, baseball Linwood's Jet Millison, uh, you know, in 42 seconds. And it was just a, 
it was one of those you know, you put the camera up to shoot a few pictures, and and then all of a sudden Moody had Millicent on his back, and it was the good morning, good afternoon, good night, a great start to the championship round for Valley Center, <clears throat> and uh, uh, Moody's uh, practice partner Aiden Shields, a junior who's who's uh, uh, had the misfortune of being in the Newton in the Nick Treister brackets uh, the last couple years at state for the, the outstanding wrestler who graduated. Uh, from Newton. This time Shields wrestles another uh, Newton wrestler. Just happened to be a buddy he went to grade school with at Sedgwick, I'm told. He's one of these backstories that you end up with that uh, uh, when you start talking to these guys, you find out a little bit more about them. But the Aiden Shields and Lucas Kaufman, the two finalists in the 120-pound bracket, uh, go at it for the third time this season. And and they split the first two meetings, and Shields gets this one over, to, over Kaufman, a state champion last year. Uh, defeats him seven to six. <clears throat> Shields tells me afterward that that Coffin's mom, uh, Mary, was his second grade school teacher. So you realize how small of a world it is when these guys get to get together at the at the tournaments. But uh, Shields, who who had an impressive win over Coffin in the Newton Tournament Champions Final, lost to Coffin in the regional championship. Uh, comes back and wins the rubber match there in a really great match uh, at seven seven to six. And the Valley Center gets its third title. Uh, later in the evening, <clears throat> from an outstanding senior uh, football player in Demont Mucker, uh, he comes out. The tr- he transferred to, to Valley Center a couple years ago, and comes out uh, um, after some some a couple pair or a pair of medalist finish or medal finishes uh, for Valley Center the last couple years. He comes out and wins five to two in the two hundred fifteen pound final against Lansing Junior Elijah Mathis. So, uh, so those top three teams all produce three champions uh, in five A and. And kind of hog the hog the festivities for for the other schools, but <clears throat> some some other outstanding performances. Just to, to wrap up five here, you know, it started with a, a good battle of the top two ranked wrestlers in 106. And both freshmen and, and baser Linwood's Trevor Christensen uh, gets the title. The number one ranked Christensen uh, gets a late takedown and beats Oscar Ghana from Goddard six to four uh, to win the 106 pound title. <clears throat> and then uh, later on in the in the uh, session after the Kind of a, a run by Valley Center and, and Goddard and and uh, Andover, uh, the the lone unbeaten of the five A field uh, completes his quest and and uh, Hayes's uh, senior Harley Zimmerman uh, finishes his season forty two and zero defeats St Thomas Aquinas's Caden Allen uh, five to three in a sudden victory match. It was a rematch of a last year a last year's championship when Zimmerman also won uh, in extra time and. Uh, uh, you know, Zimmerman's uh, celebration was one for the ages. You know, you kind of wonder how how you go out with uh, <clears throat> with an unbeaten season. What what's what way do you want to celebrate it? And and uh, I think Zimmerman might have might have taken the cake. He starts out with the gritty, works his way into the, into the chicken dance, and then uh, does a backflip and shows up on the metal stand with a with a cowboy hat. So I, I can't think of too much more you could do to celebrate a, a championship. But Zimmerman, an outstanding wrestler. Finishes his senior season uh, at 42 and 0, and then uh, da, 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 let me go through the list. Oh, Cooper uh, Cooper Reeves, this line is central. Uh, last year worked uh, played or uh, competed for McPherson <clears throat> as a freshman and finished fifth at uh, 157 pounds for the Bullpups. Uh, qualifies for for uh, uh, state with Salina Central and wins that 175 pound bracket that that was. Uh, uh, upset uh, with with Wesley's with Wesley getting knocked off in the uh, quarterfinal round, Reeves uh, knocks off Pittsburgh's Damaris Partee 
11 to 5 in the 175 pound championship. So uh, Reeves, who felt like he could have made some noise in the at the 4A tournament the a year, made more noise at the 4A tournament, uh, transfers to Salina Central and, and wins a 5A title uh, this year. Then I mentioned Omari Elias, the uh, you know outstanding all-time city league uh, football rusher from Capen. Uh, he gets his first state title after a pair of fifth-place finishes earlier in his career, and and uh, just very stoic. And I asked him, I said, well, wasn't much of a celebration. He said, you know what? I was just too tired. I'm just, I was just glad to get there. But uh, uh, Omari is a great kid uh, heading off to the Air Force Academy in June. And he finishes his uh, senior season with a 40 and one record. And, and it went right down to the very end uh, as, as far as good matches in the, in the uh, heavyweight final. Uh, Shiny Heights of Riken Carver uh, takes on Stephen Carroll from Aquinas and and Carver wins that one in extra time and, and uh, just a, a marathon match. And, and uh, uh, Carver gets a, a late, you know, a takedown of one of the extra periods and then, and then prevents Carroll from, from matching him uh, to, to uh, get his, get his victory. So uh, very good, good finish to, to a career for the, for the senior from Shawnee Heights who uh, wins the, the five, a heavyweight title with a 38 and eight record. So, you know, just kind of, kind of sum up five, a, I've talked a lot, probably way too much, but uh, just uh, in, in the end, it's, it's Goddard back on top and, and boy, what a tournament for the division two of the Arc Valley Chisholm trail league. Yeah. And I don't, I don't have much to add from what Scott said. Uh, he had a lot of my, the uh, top standouts from my areas. Uh, a lot of them ended up, uh, you know, taking runner up finishes and a number of them are, uh, not seniors. So, you know, you got to imagine they'll try to come back next year and try to get the job done from there. But the one thing that I would stand out, I didn't want to interrupt Scott when he was going, but he said, Harley Zimmerman, the celebration took the cake and I was about to hit him with the lead course. So <laughs> not so fast, my friend, because Damon hey, Mucker yeah. for Valley center may have got it. And I say, yeah, may he's that's got true. my vote. Uh, anytime you, uh, I'm wearing the Austin three sixteen shirt. People listen to podcasts might mm-hmm. not see it, but, uh, obviously Mucker celebration, uh, was aimed for me. I was a little bit jealous <laughs> of Scott that he was covering five a in that moment. As soon as I saw him, uh, do a running, it ended up being a backflip. I don't know. It was a fancy gymnastic move into a stone cold stunner to his coach. He pins him. Uh, he's even the ref. He does the count himself. He jumps up, and I think I don't know if it was a punt or a kick, but he added that in. Uh, he, when he came off the bat, he threw some, uh, you know, the hearts up to the crowd. The people cheered him. Uh, I I don't even know if that's it. I think I missed yeah. three or four other ones that happened once he got off the mat. Uh, if if I. I, I I, I said this, my judges scored 10 of 10. It was perfect. No notes, except maybe his coach could have sold the stunner just a tad bit better. But other than that, uh, great celebration for, for Mucker. And congratulations on him breaking through, Very much so. getting his state title. Well, that just makes the backflips from a couple of champions in Class 4, 4A look pretty mundane uh, <laughs> over here. So I guess maybe I need to venture down to Wichita to catch the uh, the real real action. Uh, maybe maybe uh, it was a Saturday night raw yeah, or something. Must have been. Must have been. Or, 
yeah. or something like that. We didn't get the word in Salina, so we must have had like the AEW version <laughs> or something like that going on up there, or or some other some other minor league type of thing. Because we 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 didn't quite have that same kind of celebrations. We had some some all right ones. I had a you know a girls champion that got her coaches to do the little you know the little wave with the arms, where you you, know, you take it down one way and I'll take it back down the other way. But uh, a few you know a few punches here and there, some fours flashed up, and we'll talk about those a little bit. But uh, yeah, I did. I didn't. I certainly didn't get any uh, any high flying uh, any, any show stopping type of things like that. The the show stopping was just left on with the action on the mat, and uh, so we'll turn our attention here to class. 4A, where, you know, going in, we knew pretty much that as long as Rose Hill didn't trip over itself, it was probably going to win the Class 4A state championship. Uh, you know, they've been really close in the last couple years, uh, had a bunch of uh, uh, several uh, individual champions the last two years, two each, um, each of the past two seasons. Uh, but they finally get the team title this year. They dominated from start to finish. They finished with 157 and a half points. And then really the battle was for second. Was it going to be Tonganoxy or was it going to be Paola? Um, each of them had, had final three finalists um, going on Saturday. And uh, it ends up being Tonganoxy edges out Paola. They get all they get championships from all three of their finalists, while Paola gets championships from just two of them. And so Tonganoxy takes second with 127 points, and Paola takes third with 119. And really, um, you know, looking at the Class 4A, pretty much everything kind of fell as you might have expected. You know, there were a few minor upsets here and there, but there wasn't anything that really just made you go, oh, wow, that just happened. I mean, maybe the biggest one was uh, defending champion Jack Harvey of, of Baldwin falling in his uh, attempt to to win a second straight title. You know, he'd been number one all year, only had one loss. And, and uh, you know, we thought, well, you know, he's probably the, the odds on favored to win it. But uh, Tuck, Tucker Jackson of, uh, of Clay Center just kind of grinds it out. And, and he takes a one nothing win and he knocks off Jack Harvey to get the title and give, give Clay Center a champion for a second straight year. Uh, the Tigers had two last year, and then they get another one this year. It's uh, you know one of the one of the better wrestling programs tradition wise across the state. Uh, Clay Center Wrestling uh, always has been very good and produces num- numerous state champions. But Tucker Jackson gets probably what you would call the upset of the of the finals. You know there were a few others where maybe it was number two knocked off number one, but it, it just didn't really seem like a, a that big of an upset. But uh, you know if you go. To go down, it, we'll, we'll start with Rose Hill, the uh, the team champion, and and uh, they really had the lower weights covered. I mean, when you looked at uh, even in the rankings going in, you know those first six weight classes, they had guys ranked either number one or number two, uh, or number three. You know, all right there on the top, and not all of them made it to the finals, but they got a lot of them in there, and uh, they did some damage when they did. At 106, Samson Witted, uh, you know, he didn't even go out last year because he knew he was going to be wrestling JV with Johnny Leck. Uh, the 2022 106-pound state champion, staying at 106 last year, Witted, you know, was really good, but just kind of blocked by him. And, and so he decided he wasn't going to wrestle last year because he just didn't want to spend the year on JV. But when Leck moves up this year, Witted comes back out. And he, and he gets a state championship. He pins uh, Scott City's Trent and Frank uh, in the second period of their match to uh, to finish the season 39-2. and two. And then uh, 
you know, Rose Hill loses in the 120 finals to uh, Sebastian Bentley, falls to Caden Powell in that one in a 2-1 decision. Uh, Caden Powell, you know, you talked about dances. He, he had the haircut of the tournament. He kind of had a <laughs> spider web shaved into his head, starting at the back and working his way all the way to the front. It was pretty elaborate. It was pretty impressive. And he said that he just kind of periodically uh, – comes up with something different he wants to do with his hair buzzes it off does something then after it grows out he buzzes it off and does something different but he had the spider web and he caught sebastian bentley up in the spider web uh takes a 2-1 decision to deny rose hill there but then rose hill comes back at 132 johnny leck gets his second state title of his career uh he beats owen Suttles of winfield eight to four and then back to back uh damon ingram Runner-up a year ago to Marcus Terry of Augusta. He gets his state first state title with a pin over Independence Cohen Wright uh, in their 138-pound finals. And so those were the three champions for Rose Hill. And, and uh, you know, as much as they were dominating the lower class, you know, Paola was right there with them. They also had three finalists in those uh, early weight classes, including back-to-back-to-back finalists at 113, 120, and 126. At, at 113, uh Bryson Rockers fails to get it done for the second year. You know, he was a finalist last year, got knocked off by by an Ottawa kid in the championship, Rock Sutton, last year. And then this year he loses in overtime to Ryder Dempelwolf of, of Colby. Uh, Dempelwolf ties the match up and right in the final seconds of regulation to get it to overtime. Then he gets the, gets the takedown really quickly into overtime and gets the win over Bryson Rockers. So Dempa Wolf finishes your 44 and two. So like I said, it wasn't a huge upset. Rockers finishes 39 and four Dempa Wolf 44 and two with his first championship as a sophomore. So he's got a couple more to look forward to, but then Paola goes back to back. We talked about Caden Powell beating Sebastian Bentley two to one at 120, And then Brock Johnson, he was your 106 pound state champion last year when he beat Johnny Leck this year, he goes out. And uh, beats Murphy Randolph of Abilene. I, I've written numerous things about Murphy uh, here in the postseason, how he was kind of un, un, underappreciated despite being one of the few undefeated wrestlers going into the state tournament. And, uh, you know, he pulled off a couple upsets to get into the state championship match. But the the run there ended there, Brock Johnson, after really having to survive a tough, uh, tough semifinal match with Talon Suttles of, of Winfield, uh, where he won it in a tiebreaker. He came out and just really, uh, really enforces will on Murphy in the finals. Takes a 12-2 decision to give Paola its second state championship. And then, you know, after after you go back to back Rose Hill, then we started spreading out uh, a little bit. Uh, then Tongi takes over. Tonganoxi takes over at 144. Braden Moore gets his second straight title, uh, beating. Uh, Bueller's Cruz Hershberger nine to seven in their title match. Uh, Moore got out to a big start, and then uh, Hershberger really rallied late and uh, and made it close. But Moore was able to hold on, get his second state title, and then right after him at one fifty, Noah Bailey of Tonganoxi uh, takes a five three win over Fort Scott's Jesper Allison to win that state title. Uh, you know Noah two years ago made it to the finals along with his older brother Gabe. Uh, he wasn't able to get the championship that year. He had to go up against Tucker Sell that year, and that was when Tucker was uh, on his way to winning his second straight state title. But, but Gabe got his that year, and so Noah finally gets his to join his brother as a state champion with his title. And then Tonganoxi also gets another uh, champion from Tyler Pankey at 215. Uh, you know, Pankey's battled injuries b- both last year and this year. Last year he missed all the season with an injury. This year a shoulder injury 
uh, forced in the midst of much of the season. Only finished with 22 matches, but he beats Dalton Roush of Holton for the second straight week. Uh, Roush had earlier knocked off the number one ranked rec- wrestler from Rose Hill, Cole Rogers, in the quarterfinals. Uh, but uh, Roush, after being a semifinalist and not not quite getting to the finals the last few years, gets to the finals. But Panky uh, beats him four nothing to deny him getting a title. So that gives Tonganoxie its third state champion. Of, of the state tournament. And going back to look at some of the other classes. Oh, by the way, Owen Eck caps, uh, caps um, a fourth straight state title. Uh, you know, he's the latest member of the four-time champion club for the boys. The only one to, to join it this year. Um, he goes out and, and it's him against Tucker Sell. And, and, you know, these two guys have just been dominating wrestlers. Uh, Tucker's only losses ever to an in-state kid are to Owen Eck. Uh, he lost to him a couple times last year, including in the semifinals, where instead of meeting in the finals like it probably should have, they met in the semifinals, and, and Eck gets him there, and then uh, they, they make their way back to meet each other in the finals this year, and, and Sell gets early takedown, goes up 2 nothing, but Owen then just kind of does what Owen does. He methodically takes takes control of the match. He gets a reversal, and he goes on to win 16-4 to major decision to win his fourth straight state championship, which this year was kind of a little bit in doubt. Uh, he uh, hurt his collarbone late in the late in the football season. Uh, one of one of a couple big injuries for Andale late in the season as they uh, as they saw their run, reign in Class Three uh, A football come to an end. But you know Owen had to come back from that, and you know a broken collarbone doesn't really seem conducive to uh, to quick recovery to make make good on a wrestling season. But Owen wasn't going to be denied his denied his fourth state title this year. And, and he, he looked every bit as impressive as he did in winning his first three. So congratulations to Owen Eck on joining the four timers club uh, for Andale this year. And then right after him, uh, Tay Wilson of Pratt gets his second straight title. And for the second straight year, he needs overtime to get it. You know, last year he, uh, he pulled out a, a late move to get the match to overtime and then got a takedown in overtime to get the win. And this year he, goes to overtime tied with Clayton Younger but then he just dominates the the tiebreaker period uh, takes a 9-2 victory uh, to get his second straight title finishes off an undefeated season at 42 and 0 and then at 175 another comeback story uh, Parker Gouge of Ottawa won a state title as a sophomore down at 145 pounds then last year missed all of football all of the wrestling season with an injury from football Comes back this year 30 pounds heavier than he was as a sophomore. So he's up at 175, which these are two different wrestling styles when you talk about 145 pounders and 175. But uh, Gouge goes in and he faces a guy that was a runner-up last year, Scott City's Houston Frank. And uh, Gouge completes an undefeated season at, at 175, goes 41-0. Wins four to three in that match. Uh, he, he he showed the worst for the wear. He had a big cut under his eye, which I guess he also had when he was a sophomore. So maybe that's the that's the key. Get get a cut, and, and uh, if if he was has Russian heritage, when this Russian gets cut, he, he still finds a way to get through. It must not be a, a bad cut. So uh, you know Tucker uh, Parker Goose gets his state title, goes undefeated there. We talked about uh, Tucker Jackson winning at one ninety five one ninety. Tyler Pankey at 215, and then at 285, uh, Baker North of Bishop Mies, another guy that last year stayed. He hurt, got hurt, and really wasn't able to finish off like he wanted to. This year he comes back, uh, finishes off a 32-1 and season by pinning number one uh, Willie John Morales of Augusta in their championship match. So Baker North gets his first state championship at 285. And so the 4A team race shook out. Rose Hill 1, Tonganoxie 2, 
and then Payola three with Rose Hill, really the runaway victory. And really, when you talk about runaway victories in Salina or at, at that state tournament, uh, nobody's done it better than Hoxie has uh, throughout these recent run. And, uh, you know, they may not have been the, uh, the juggernaut they were last year, but I don't know any team that would be the juggernaut that Hoxie was a year ago when they were just unbelievable uh, across the board. But, you know, this year's version of Hoxie, Ricky, they, uh, they weren't too far off. They were pretty darn good themselves. No, I was thinking back at it outside of last year. I mean, that's probably the most impressive showing they've had during this four peat at on the on the final day of the state tournament. Uh, they were just really almost almost flawless, uh, particularly in the finals. Um, they go they go four and zero in the finals, and they win all of their third place matches as well. So they went seven and one in the medal matches, and uh, you know win win convincingly um, with uh, their rival Norton taking uh, a distant second place. But, uh, you know, I know Coach Mike Borsch was just really, really proud of how that group wrestled. And, you know, I was talking to Duncan Bell a little bit, um, one of their four state champions, about just, you know, how this compared this team compared to last year. And he said, well, you know, we really don't compare, but we, we might have more heart than, than, than last year's team. And they, they certainly definitely – certainly wrestled with a lot of heart uh you know i thought you know one of one of the biggest stories and you know the thing about being down all all these state champion wrestlers and and talking to them um you know it's it's called i know it's hard for all for the reporters to do but you always find out stuff that that just blows your mind uh you know i think we just always assume that some of these state champions uh everything goes smoothly for them and they don't have any adversity but then when you talk to them you you just learned some really incredible stuff. Um, Carson Oaks, he, I, you know, he had been coming back from um, a serious knee injury and, you know, he hadn't, he hadn't been wrestling much and he didn't wrestle in his regional, regional final. And I just assumed it was because, you know, he had been, he had been coming back from the injury, but the truth is he's been, uh, you know, battling uh, a rare auto, autoimmune disease that they haven't even figured out what it is yet. Um Two weeks, a week before regionals, he was hospitalized in in Denver. Uh, you know, he got he gets these bad canker sores all over his mouth, and it got down in, into his throat to the point where he couldn't even eat or, or drink water. And then, uh, you know, they got that situation taken care of, care of, and then he decided to go ahead and and wrestle in regionals. Um, he said he was about ten percent somehow made it made it to the regional final before they set out the the final match to rest and then uh you know I thought it was really inspired inspiring what he did for Hoxie you know at 132 pounds uh he looked like the Carson of old and and was uh you know able to get a state championship for his second in a row um you know I think and I think that kind of maybe boosted the spirits of, of everybody else um and just though and uh yeah just just a cool story there that everybody kind of rallied around uh other state champs for hoxie uh Ian Giancola he's now halfway to a four peat um wins 120 pounds as a sophomore uh won a good good chance good match against Chase Johnson who's had a heck of a career uh was a was a state champion as a sophomore for Minneapolis and then last year Giancola beat him in the quarters or semis and then uh Giancola beat him again this year in the in the state title match uh a one oh decision. Uh I mentioned Duncan Bell. 
he was close to not even going out for wrestling. Uh, he's a big football guy. And, uh, you know, after they stuffed, suffered a really tough loss in the quarterfinals uh, this past season, uh, he he didn't really – he said he wasn't really in the mood to go out for wrestling. Well, uh, he had such a f- tradition-rich family and um, wrestling that they, they convinced him to go out. His brothers, Dayton, uh, Drew and Dayton, were both state champions. So he goes out, and uh, sure enough, you know, in the second half of the season, he just finds another gear and ends up being the state champion at 157 pounds, uh, beats a really good kid from Atchison County and, and uh, Eastern Sletzbaum. And then, uh, you know, Sam Watkins was one of these really talented guys and that in three, two, one, a, that just hadn't, hadn't broke through for a state championship, uh, for his uh, state championship last year. Uh, he'd suffered a really tough loss to, uh, to a kid from Sabetha, Josh Herman, when Herman pinned him in the semifinals. Uh, and this year, uh, you know, really, really dominant season for Sam. He finishes 39 and two and, uh, really wins a thrilling match there in the, in the final against Carter Green from Douglas, uh, Sam was able to get a, a takedown in the sudden victory to, to win a five-three decision. So, uh, yeah, uh, you know, what more can you say about Hoxie? Even when they're down, they're still they're still the most dominant team around out out in three-two-one-a, and it was a, a heck of a performance. Uh, going through some of the other ones, uh, you know, Norton had a really really good tournament. Um, they started the day off. They started the championship rounds off Saturday with uh, Caleb, Caleb Keysweeter meeting Tate Blackwell. That was their fifth match um, this season, and uh, they entered. They were two and two against each other heading into it, and um, Keysweeter was able to get a, a two one two one decision by riding out Blackwell at the end, and then um, you know Norton also book into the day with the state championship. Um, Corbin Puga was no, who is another guy that everybody knows is really talented that was just waiting for his moment to break through, um, and he was able to win um, the heavyweight match against a guy that he's familiar with and Carson Montgomery from from Smith Center. So uh, a really really solid day for for Norton getting two state champions. Uh, you know, one thirteen Brogan Monty like Giancola, he's halfway to his to his for Pete. Um, you know, last year as a freshman, he went, he went undefeated this year. They really sought out some, some good opponents for him. And he, he had some really tough matches against some out of state, uh, competition. So he ended up taking three losses, but he said, you know, that was, that was kind of the best thing for him to be really tested throughout the season. And, uh, he was able to get a, a pin in the second period against Keaton Roddinghouse, who Brent told me a little bit about his stories. Yeah. I think, uh, early in his career, he, he only won like two matches in, in a season. And so for him to, to come back as a senior and go 38 and three, uh, for Nemaha central, uh, and finish runner up in one thirteen. That was quite a story there. Um, you know, moving down the list, uh, I think the maybe the biggest upset that we saw, or one of the biggest upsets at least that we saw all throughout Salina uh, happened in the semifinals of 126 uh, when uh, Dorton's Jaden Weigel uh, had 15 losses on the season at that point, beat Car- uh, Carter Career, who was just having a really, really good season after missing most of last year with injury. And I think he was the he was the heavy there's no doubt about it. He was the heavy favorite. Um he was dominating that match against Weigel. Uh, I believe he was up sixteen to six at that point or something like that. He got out to like a fourteen two lead and uh Weigel was just able to catch him and, and pin him. And uh, you know, 
that that kind of spoiled an, uh, the, uh, an up, uh, the matchup that everybody thought was going to happen with Caden Sisson and, and Carter Career in the final. Instead, it was Weigel and Sisson. And uh, Caden Sisson from Phillipsburg, who's had a, a, a heck of a career so far, he wins as a, he wins his title as a junior uh, with a three with a three decision. Another cool story that I wasn't aware of, um, Josiah Ball from Hoisington. Everybody, if you know wrestling, you know the Ball family and, and how they've just churned out state champions. Uh, his four older brothers, I believe, they all have state championships. Um, and earlier this year, uh, in January, I believe, Ball, Josiah Ball of Hoisington was really he ha- suffered a really bad injury. And he told me that he was close to just shutting it down. Um, he already has his college plans uh, finalized. He hasn't announced them yet, but he already, he already has his college plans in another sport uh, finalized. So he thought, yeah, maybe I should just shut it down. But he went back and back and forth, and um, he decided to keep going. And he, he ends up winning the state championship at 138 pounds uh, with a 9-1 major decision over Lucas Odro from Oberlin Decatur. So a, a heck of a story. And he, yeah, he ends his career as a state champion, just like all his brothers. So that was kind of a, a little fun little note. Um, then another two-time champion, Mason Younger of Ellis, um, just caps a dominant season with a 3-1 win over Dustin Lowry of, of Haven. Uh, yeah, Mason's had a, a heck of a career. Um and then Colin Minold from Sabetha, he got, he finishes undefeated at forty three zero, and really was one of the best matches um, of of that three two one a championship round. He beats a heck of a wrestler and Wyatt Gardner. Uh, he uh, Minold was able to get a, an escape from Gardner in the uh, ultimate tiebreaker overtime, and he pulled out a three two three two decision to finish off an undefeated year. Uh, and then. Uh, I think maybe one of the most dominant wrestlers I saw all all week, uh, Creo Coop of, of West Elk. He finally gets that elusive uh, first state championship after suffering some heartbreaking losses as a freshman in year. That, that kid is just – there's no way else to say. He's just a beast. Uh, he, he told me that he has not been stopped on any of his takedown attempts this year, which it would just kind of blew my mind. But he uh, – he uh he he just kept uh getting takedowns in his uh 12-2 deci- major decision win over over Tegan Pfeiffer um and I really expect I really expect we're going to see a lot of fun things out of Creo next year um you know he that that get kid is just dominant um another dominant guy Aiden Amrine he, he, of Hill City he gets his uh a second straight title um you know he he's got a ton of pins he was flirting with uh Brett Carroll's uh, for for record for the the most pins in Kansas, he's going to finish a little bit short of that. But he was able to get a six three uh, decision over Gage Lee of Garden Plain in the final for his second straight championship. And uh, and I'll finish it with Luke Luke Fisher of of Larned, uh, another just really really dominant year. Uh, he he was just unfazed th- throughout the year and and. Comp- and completely controlled that championship match, uh, won it by technical fall, 15-0 over uh, Barrett Leeds in Rossville. So, uh, yeah, him and uh, him and uh, Creo Coop were were just re- – they were the most impressive to me that's wrestlers that stood out in that championship round. But, um, you know, just kind of putting a, a bow on 3-2-1-A. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say any of the results really, really surprised me. But, um, you know, the – 
the top wrestlers really, I thought, put together some really, really good performances. And it was cool to see some of those guys that, you know, have been among the best wrestlers in 3-2-1-A, but just haven't got a title. Um, you know, it was cool to see some of those guys break through. Absolutely, yeah. It was it was uh, some good tournament. I, I was uh, actually on the side of the mat uh, when uh, when the uh, Weigel kid from Norton beat uh, Creer, and it was just stunning. I, I think Creer was up 16-2 to two or, or six, you know, on the verge of a of a tech fall victory. And then uh, Weigel just caught him with one move. And I got, I was able to get a, a great picture of him just locking that thing up and, and then celebrating afterwards. Yeah. And real quick, real quick on that, Brent, I, I should mention that uh, another cool story was Weigel. Uh, he was hospitalized right after the regional final uh, and it, it, something just didn't feel right. And he had a, a medical episode and they, they took him to the hospital. They lifelighted him to the hospital in Omaha and discovered he was a, a type one diabetic. So um, there was just a lot of crazy stories like that, but obviously, yeah, just a really inspirational performance by him, by Weigel. But like you mentioned, yeah, that was just a stunning, that was one of the highlights I think of the entire tournament, that semifinal match you mentioned. Yeah. And the the Norton crowd was right up above them when it happened. It it wasn't like they were across the arena or in a different, I mean, they were basically in that, in in the corner of, of, of where that match took place. And so, the uh, that whole area just exploded with that uh, with that result. And so, uh, great great uh, great boys tournaments across the board. Um, so we'll take a look now at the girls tournaments, and we'll go back up and start with Class Six A, where um, some things change and th- some things stay the same. And uh, you know, Washburn Rural has been kind of the dominant force in girls wrestling in Kansas, one of the leading forces of girls wrestling in Kansas. You know, we've talked about it on here a number of times, how they have one of the largest girls wrestling rooms in the nation, uh, if not the largest. Um, and the, that num- the number of bodies that they have just translates to success. And part of it's because Damon Parker. I mean, you want to talk about somebody that – can get the most out of every single person he meets, whether it's in wrestling or in whatever in life. I mean, that's Damon Parker to a T and what he's done with that Washburn rural wrestling program is truly amazing. And they added another state championship and Mac, you got a chance to spend a little time talking to Damon and, and I'm sure you kind of feel that same energy from him uh, whenever you were talking to him about their next state title. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the only person ever where I could go through, grab seven or eight just absolutely perfect quotes and leave four more perfect quotes on the cutting room floor for a story because Damon Parker just always knows what to say and he'll give it to you. He's not holding back. Uh, but, you know, you, you said how uh, some things uh, change, some stay the same. The the, the thing that's the most in doubt during that tournament and the thing that you have to figure out is when are they going to clinch the girls wrestling uh, state title in, in 6-5-A because Washburn Rural uh, starts to pull away and, you know, apparently uh, Coach Parker and his staff are much better at math than the rest of us because we don't know what's going on and, uh, and luckily he does because he gets his team prepared. He lets them know and, and they knew going in to uh, Tiana Anna Roden's uh, Constellation semifinal match uh, when she's going up uh, against Leavenworth's Jacqueline Goodman. Uh, and and the entire team knew. They didn't tell Roden. They left her in the dark a bit. Uh, and uh, once she pulled off that victory in, in a little bit of an upset, uh, she lost to uh, Goodman, Good, uh, the, the way Parker referred to it as 
been beat the brakes off her in the two previous matches, uh, but she's able to to get through that one and get a pretty strong 11-6 decision. Uh, and as soon as uh, that match is over, Washburn Rural explodes they celebrate with her uh looked uh similar to what they ended up doing last year where they clinch it two straight years before uh, even getting to the medal rounds uh forget championship rounds and and only having one uh state finalists uh over the two years uh molly spader this year and she ends up finishing second uh but the the finals doesn't matter even when there are multiple competitors for uh, you know uh, uh, you know a, a Garden City had one Dodge City had one and they're the two teams that are right there in the mix and it, it wasn't going to matter because uh, they had gotten the job done with the depth so many uh, of of their competitors uh, you know just making sure that they they understand the power of the backside of the bracket even if you end up having that disappointing loss uh, they're they're not getting upset and and you know you see what happens when you have that belief in each other because uh some of these uh competitors when they're in those uh you know uh consolation rounds and some of them are losing some of them you know end up being uh, in a fifth place match and take six and uh i got photos of smiles on their faces even when it's over uh because they knew they had it locked up and the team championship was more important than uh you know necessarily their own personal uh goals and 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 where they wanted to be but uh you know i mentioned spader Roden takes third uh you add in lakin clark who uh takes third as well and you know uh i think she had a pretty good story but honestly she was more excited to talk about her younger sister uh cameron clark is a freshman uh and you know she ends up being the 16 seed that takes down top ranked laney galvin of of, of baser linwood uh in the surprise of the tournament she was close to uh losing by major decision uh and now she's gonna get a tech fall uh and and just finds a way uh, uh lakin described it as her sister did a little bit of a somersault and then uh ended up being able to get the half nelson and and pull out that uh you know surprise pick victory uh getting the pin uh over galvin and it was really cool moment for both of them you know not just seeing you know that uh you know uh cameron didn't end up winning any more matches after that but those four points end up helping out and uh the two of them uh got a surprise uh win their older brother kobe clark who serves in the army uh he came back home and got to surprise them at the state tournament so really emotional moment for them and uh you know as it all came together of just another year where you know washburn rural is is able to do that and and in a year where they lost three uh uh competitors who had uh i believe placed uh third or fourth i can't remember but uh it just ones that they expected to have this year end up getting injured early in the year and for them it's just uh they really do have uh that next uh woman up mentality uh with this you know they have the one of the largest uh women's wrestling programs and uh in the nation uh with 60 wrestlers on that team and you know for them they don't call 
the the next group, the JV, uh, Coach Parker says he calls it uh, second varsity. And sure enough, those second varsity members had to come up, fill up those spots. And uh, by the time it was done, they got the, the job done. Two years of, of winning the uh, state title, doing it before the final rounds, getting it locked up, and having only one state finalist over those two years. Uh, crazy impressive performance from the Washburn Rural Girls Wrestling Team. Yeah, you know that they just keep that keep that train rolling. It's uh, certainly an impressive. And then you know when you look at the individual results, you know Washburn Rural wins the team title, and then Mac had the uh, the task of tracking down fourteen state champions from fourteen different schools. But uh, you know let's let's talk a little bit too about the history that was made down in down in Wichita. Uh, there was a little bit in Salina as well, but uh, we had three wrestlers who went girls wrestlers who went into the state tournament looking to become the first ever four-time state champions. And all three of them end up getting it done. Olathe's House, Nicole Redmond wins her fourth straight state title at 120 pounds and 6.5A. Olivia Steen of Bonner Springs wins her fourth straight title at 170 pounds and 6.5A. And then uh, I'll talk a little bit about her later. Uh, Kendra Hurla of Rossville gets her fourth straight title at 120 pounds in class four through 1A. But, you know, of those of those three, I think uh, Redmond was probably maybe the biggest lock just because I think she was a little bit uh, above the rest of the field at, at 120. But Olivia Steen, you know, she'd been dominating. Maybe as dominating a wrestler as there is out there the past couple of years. This year, some injuries uh, led to, you know, led to some losses, led to some injured defaults. And, you know, there was maybe some questions on her. But she's emphatically erased any doubt that she is by far the uh, best wrestler at 170 uh, in Classics 5A. Yeah, and, and it, what's strange is we might have had even more doubt if we had the actual story because, uh, as it turns out, you know, she loses that first match uh, early in the year uh, to uh, Kylie Dillo of, of Chanute. There wasn't an injury involved in that one. Dillo just got the win. Impressive wrestler ends up going undefeated. Uh, she ends up. Steen ends up not going in the Lady Cat Classic from having uh, a bursted eardrum that she found out she had just days before the tournament. Uh, she bleeds this from an ear infection. She had she just knew that one day that kind of felt her ear felt weird. She didn't know she got hit in practice, uh, you know, in it what happened. Uh, but you know she ends up missing that one and a couple more uh, uh, meets. But you know she has time over winter break to to recover. They get the right get her on the right antibiotics to to kind of get over that. Uh, and so when she goes into that Washburn uh, uh, Invitational, when she ends up uh, losing to to Jacqueline Goodman, uh, again, it wasn't an, an injury. We we were wondering. We just didn't know if maybe they were just keeping quiet on it. But, uh, you know, she told me that uh, it was just facing somebody who, uh, you know, was a, a very big, very strong. And, and, and Steen has always wrestled uh, relatively light. Uh, her closest she's gotten, I think, as a sophomore, uh, she said she wrestled close closer to 164-ish was about where she was at most of that year. Uh, But the other ones, I mean, she's, she's been down in the 150s. And then this year was kind of a weird one for her. She started out and she decided she wanted to, 
uh, wrestle at, at closer to 138 despite staying at 170. Uh, she was doing that for Fargo Nationals, uh, and then she just kind of wasn't able to put the weight back on uh, at the start of the year, and that kind of threw uh, you know uh, just her for a loop and made it a little bit. It was already something where she knows that sometimes she's going to face some stronger wrestlers that uh, are going to try to impose their will, and she's going to have to rely on that speed, that technique, uh, to to be able to to, to get those victories over them. Uh, but Goodman just got her on that day, and the 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 forfeit, uh, which was uh, her cousin uh, Gracedean, ends up getting the uh, from Toganoxi ends up taking third there. Uh, she forfeited because apparently she lost her singlet. She didn't know where it was and uh, just couldn't get back into competition. So that was that third loss of the year. Uh, but you know, basically when she comes into this tournament, she she knew she had to be concerned about Goodman, but also Chloe Harris of the late the Northwest. Uh, and and they just two uh, wrestlers that she knew were uh, really strong and, and and would bring her difficulties. Uh, you know, lucky for her, they were on the same side of the bracket, and then Goodman uh, ends up getting uh, knocked off. So it wasn't even a Harris uh, Goodman matchup to to figure out who would face Steen in the final. Uh, and and Steen had a little bit of trouble uh, against uh, uh, Roden of of Washburn Rural. Just uh, uh, she didn't think she would come out as aggressive as she was, and she she kind of uh, gave her a the the shortest of scares before she took over that match and, and just got the job done really quickly kind of used Roden's aggressiveness against her and 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 flipped her over to get the uh pin there but uh it was it was almost the same start for her in that finals against Harris and Harris went uh way uh, aggressive and it actually looked for a minute like she might have been able to to get Steen down Steen was in uh, a couple uh tough positions where the pin could have happened if if Harris could have uh, just kept it in for a bit longer. But again, you know, Steen has so many tricks in her playbook and uh, found a way to to use Harris's aggressiveness against her. And that one uh, flips her over and, and gets the pin. And, uh, you know, it's it, it very interesting to see in a year where she's probably wrestled at her lightest and knew she had to rely on that speed. And, 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 and you know, it, it also could have been her downfall, could have let a, a wrestler like Harris get the advantage. Instead, you know, she once again gets the job done and 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 you know she was proud of the fact that she was able to keep it at 170 even though she's wrestled at, at different weights uh throughout the four years uh she started that as a freshman being uh you know at 150 something and just being like don't care gonna take down uh the the girls that are uh you know coming in closer to the the 170 mark uh she's she's just gonna be able to to user technique to to be able to overcome whatever power difference and uh she she sure enough gets the job done and it was an oppressive uh feat for her and then you look over at at redmond and and you know she had a little bit different where she was moving up to kind of prove herself a little bit that's why she said she was uh end up getting up to 130 last year and then once she gets that uh, you know, uh, under her belt and is able to, to to show that she's capable of that. She's moved back to where she's more comfortable down at 120. And uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, I, I think in those moments, uh, they there weren't a lot of competitors who seemed like they might be able to get an edge on her. Uh, she told me that she thought her toughest match was actually uh, against uh, Hayes's uh, Napu, and I think that was at the quarterfinals. Uh, she just 
felt like that was one she hadn't seen her uh it, you know to to kind of get the gauge of what was happening but she knew how good she was and she was kind of uh worried that that one might be the the toughest one for her but she just felt like each time uh once she got you know, uh, maybe her second takedown in those matches, uh, she would just kind of see her opponents just kind of wilt. She just felt like uh, she could feel like uh, the the fight kind of leave them, uh, and 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 it started to get pretty pretty strong uh, language of it. She felt like she crushed him. She felt like that's where it was at, and uh, she knew the pins were coming. She knew uh, she's uh, usually it was, I think in two of them it was the the wing uh, that uh, she ends up using to to get the pin, but. She knew each time that the pin was coming, and uh, that's exactly what happens in the final match against uh, Ella Weber. She just uh, keeps going at her. Stay uh, once she gets the takedown, and and she's somebody who prefers being neutral, so uh, she's quick to to let her opponent up and and just take him back down again. Uh, and and she did that there, got the the wing and got the fall to to clinch number four. And uh, I think probably the craziest thing I learned about her, Ricky was talking. About about the different things you learn. Uh, I, I was glad that mine were less uh, medical related, although this is still sort of uh, medical in that uh, Redmond has apparently uh, been wrestling without vision for four years. Uh, she is somebody that uh, is is nearsighted and doesn't want to wear contacts, doesn't want to get in the situation where contact might fall out and that become a problem in a match. So she's just gone without him and uh, she says that she could sort of see her opponent her coaches in the corner are pretty blurry depending on how far she is away from the scoreboard she can't see it which she says is kind of a benefit because she just stays locked in and she's going to go for that pin because uh, i mean she might be trailing by you know four points i think she generally knows and isn't going to get that uh kind of lost out there in, in terms of where they're at but uh she's a it doesn't matter to her she's going to go get the pin and uh it was interesting to see her she walked off the mat and was embraced her mom is uh, uh an assistant coach uh for olathe south uh and and she uh, her mom ends up pointing to the crowd where most of the Olathe South section was. They had ba a big banner. They had uh, uh, this young girl walks up with the uh, cutout of, of Redmond's face that she's holding up in the air. Uh, and, and you know, they have that celebration. I asked Redmond afterwards, I'm like, who, who was that? And she's like, I have no idea. I couldn't see anybody over there. I knew it was my section, but I didn't know who it was and what they were doing. But uh, you find out later it's a young girl named uh Reese Anderson that uh, is is uh, one of the I think she's an eighth grader that uh, Redmond has uh, traveled with wrestled with and kind of become a, a mentor to and you know it's just really cool uh, I, I know uh Brent and talking with Herla, you got uh, her talking about some of the younger wrestlers that uh, you know that have spoken uh, to 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 them and, and said how much they look up to these uh, th these champions and 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 you know Redmond had a very similar thing and, and she was just really uh, taken back and just uh, so amazed by the number of people that have reached out people she doesn't even know uh, that just wanted to tell her how much her wrestling uh, you know her performances inspired them and that's that's younger wrestlers like like Reese Anderson that's also uh, other the, the the younger high school wrestlers uh, that are out there uh, at state with her telling her 
or how much they're inspired by her performances and uh, felt like there was a similar with Herla and, and I know similar with Steen uh, just uh, I felt like a, a lot of positivity even amongst these competitors that are uh, trying to crush each other uh, on the mat to, to win state titles afterwards uh, it's so friendly and so nice and it's so great to see that you know they they have that ability to kind of flip that switch when they get off the mat yeah absolutely they're definitely inspiring to uh, to a lot of people whether it's young girls or i think if you're a young guy you see see what some of these girls are doing the way they're they're as impressive as they are uh definitely inspiring and then you know class 6a uh 65a uh you know just a, a wide variety of champions with a bunch of different stories scott you had some from your areas that either continued what they've uh, done in the past or uh, blazed some new trails down there as well. Yeah, at, uh, at the lighter weight class, again, we go back to Derby and, and Amara Asa, the, the, who became the first state champion for Derby a couple years ago. Uh, you know, uh, Mac had mentioned Molly Spader, and, and uh, those two met in the final. And then Amara, who's just, uh, you know, I got to – Probably one of the one of the luckiest best pictures I've taken was a couple of years ago when she won her first one and and uh, what I've come to what what I've come to learn after three seasons of watching Amara is that she gets emotional uh, when the sun comes up. I mean, she's just very that that's that's what's that's what what's in obviously what's in her DNA. She's emotional after you know she was emotional after her semifinal victory uh, uh, over Brooklyn Treister of Newton and then. Uh, was emotional after the the championship match uh, on Saturday as well, and uh, but just an outstanding an outstanding pioneer for Derby's uh, Derby's wrestling program to to uh, to come back and and win uh, her third state title and and uh, leaves a great legacy for that program that uh, uh, it was really one of the building blocks and so she gets the the title at uh, uh, 100 as a as a sophomore and then uh, 105 as a junior. And a senior, so uh, she was one of those eight eight returning state champions in the field, and and seven of those eight uh, came back and, and uh, you know won their second or or, or more uh, titles uh, in the tournament. So uh, she has a great tournament. And then you know I'd go on down to the to the uh, 235 class for another one, and and May South Mia Howe, <clears throat> just uh, uh, a really interesting story. You know, she's she's been to four high schools in four years, and and uh, had some some personal issues that that cut short her junior season at Wichita Southeast, and, and then transferred to May South, and and uh, uh, had an outstanding season this year. Uh, you know, really provided another one of those. I go I go back to the lightning bolt. She did it in in the semifinals against Haley Conley from Olathe North, and, and got the pin to uh, you know Haley was the the top seed in in that field, and uh, a really good match. But Mia came through and, and delivered and. And uh, told me after that match, she just really had kind of found her peace at, at May South, and, was, and had had uh, you know was really enjoying the young girls in a young program at May South, and and uh, you know I think it, it it was kind of a nice way for her to to come to finish it. She comes back uh, on Saturday and and pins uh, Gardner Edgerton's Karen Rodriguez, and Rodriguez herself had a had a great tournament, knocked off one of the unbeaten's in the field, Trinity uh, Williams of Derby in the semifinals, so. Uh, uh, just a good, good final two victories to a to a high school career. Uh, you know how uh, wrestled in the finals as a freshman and sophomore. Her freshman year, she was at Wichita North. Uh, her sophomore year, uh, she was at Derby, where uh, you know 
and has been lifelong friends with Amara Asa from uh, uh, from Derby there. So, uh, you know, the the the, the well traveled how goes out a, a winner and, and really, uh, I think, really wore a, just a kind of a positive emotion uh, through that whole thing and, and uh, goes out on on top in the in the 235 class. So. Uh, those are kind of the two, I guess, that would, you know, uh, from, from my area that, that kind of stand out. And then, I, I, you know, I'd throw a, a, a shout out to uh, Jayla Johnson of Cape of Mount Carmel, too. Uh, there's, you know, so many of these programs are kind of in their infancy and, and looking for that first, uh, uh, you know, success story, so to speak. And Jayla Johnson becomes that uh, for Cape of Mount Carmel. And, and uh, she beats Lexi Burton in the 140-pound championship match 5-1. Uh, to one to become Capen's first girl state champion. And, and, uh, you know, just a, a lot of pictures afterwards with Omar, uh, with Omari Elias, the, the boys champion from Capen. And, and so Jayla really kind of etches herself, uh, her senior season, you know, capping that with a 31 and three record. She, she goes out as kind of that one that everybody at the, uh, that comes out at, at Capen can point to and, and, uh, really, uh, uses as an inspiration. So those are the three, I guess I would, uh, I would point out from the Wichita area that really had a, just a, a really impact on the tournament. Yeah. And that, you know, that is one of the cool things about having boys and girls uh, together is, is these champions can kind of share it with each other. When you're talking about, you know, uh, Jayla and Amari being able to, you know, kind of sh- share with each other, you know, the, the fact that they both won state championships together. And so uh, definitely a cool deal. And, you know, we, we talked about the four timers with, uh, with Olivia Steen and Nicole Redmond and, you know, who's on deck? Well, Sage Rosario of Manhattan would be the, would be the next one on deck. And, and as dominant as Steen and Redmond and some of these others have been, I'm not sure there's been a more dominant wrestler in girls, Kansas history than Sage Rosario is. And uh, at some point I'm going to have to get with uh, Manhattan's coach and find out, but I don't know that I've ever seen her not pin an opponent. And when I'm looking at her results week after week after week, it's always pin, 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 pin. And sure enough, she pins her way all the way through the uh, state championships again this year. Um, she pins Derby's Veronica Madrid, the freshman who's really got a bright future ahead of her, especially if she can get out of 155 pounds next year, because <laughs> that's probably where Sage is going to live. And, and it, isn't anybody beating Sage? I mean, she's, she's 28 no this year. She's undefeated her career. And I, I know that, uh, whatever her career record is, the, the pin total has got to be within one or two of whatever her victory total is because she's just flat out dominant and she's, she's strong. She's fast. She's, she's just the complete package. Um, you know, Madrid actually lasts until the second round and midway through the second round, which is, yeah. is kind of a victory in it's in itself. When you're, when you're going against Sage, uh, she had first period pins, uh, the rest of the tournament and saying just, just an absolute beast of a wrestler, uh, just a, a, an incredible force and you know she's going to have a chance to do something that's only been done uh twice in boys history in, in the state and that's become an undefeated four-time state champion uh the two guys that have done that are, are legends in the state uh, zach roberson of blue valley northwest and bo manis of of salina south those are the only two boys to ever get it done and we got two girls that are poised to do that next year if they can find their way through uh, to their brackets once again with an undefeated season. I'll talk more about uh, Clay Center's Gabby Coppas a little bit uh, later on as as being the other one with a chance to do that. But uh, let's take a look at some of the other state champions in Class 6A um, at 100 pounds. 
excuse me, you had uh, uh, Gardner Edgerton's Madeline Reit Reitinger. Uh, she gets the pin of Wichita Southeast Tanaya Hunt in the finals to win her first state championship as a freshman. So she's on that path for a four-time state, four state championship. Uh, Scott talked about Amara Issa Derby at 105 at 110. Ashley Alonzo of Dodge City gets a state title with a 7-2 win over Newton's Avery Hinojos uh, at 115. Uh, the upset of the of the finals probably uh, Stella Segura of Shawnee Mission South uh, goes out and takes a 4-0 win over Juliana Villanueva from Jungle City. Villanueva was undefeated going into that match and and was a state champion a year ago. But uh, Segura came out and really took it to her and uh, gets the 4-0 win and gets the state championship first Shawnee Mission South as a sophomore there. Uh, Haley Redmond or Nicole Redmond. Of Olathe South at 120 gets her fourth. At 125, Maya Tarbit of Garden City gets her second straight state title with a 4-0 win over Casey Piper's Maya Dolinar. At 130, Daisy Gomez of Great Bend uh, gets a pin of Gracie Apau of Spring Hill in the finals uh, to get the title at 130. At 135, Olathe North Caitlin Hitchcock gets her second straight title. Uh, she pins Dodge City's Haley Ramos in the finals for another state championship. Uh, Scott talked about Jayla Johnson at Capen at 140. At 145, uh, Avery Johnson of Leavenworth goes undefeated, gets her second straight state championship, uh, fights off Campbell Mermis of Spring Hill. Those two had, had a number of battles this year, but Johnson gets them, gets them all. Goes uh, 36-0 this season with the 9-7 victory in the finals. At 155, Cesar Rosario's dominance there. 170, Olivia Steen, the four-timer. And at 190, Haley Martinez, Haleen Martinez of Liberal uh, gets an overtime win, 3-1 over Morgan Miller of Blue Valley Southwest for the championship there. Her first championship. She's a junior. She'll be back next year. And then at 2-35, Mia Howell of May South caps her career with her state title there. So that was the class six, five, a state tournament and class four, a state tournament. Uh, I, I don't think we'll ever see maybe a better, more uh, unpredictable, crazy run, run for a team championship than, than how things played out uh, in class four through one, a where going into the final, going into the final day, Oakley, seemed to have the, this thing wrapped up. They had 82 points. They were well ahead of Rossville and Chanute, who were kind of battling it out for second. And really, all Oakley had to do was win one match on the final day. They had uh, Brooke Smith, who was in the Constellation semifinals. And then they had three three girls in the, in the uh, state championship matches, two of them who were ranked number one at their weight classes. And you just thought, well, this is Oakley's state title. They didn't win a match. Does not win a match. Uh, Smith loses her Constellation semifinal, then loses in the fifth, sixth place match. And then Oakley's three finalists all go down to defeat. That opens the door for Rossville and Chanute to maybe kind of step in there. Um, Rossville gets a big win from Kira Lecoq in the Constellation semifinals. She ends up losing her third place match, but that got, got them some, some points. And then they had two, two in the finals with Kendra Hurla going after her fourth state title. And then Haley Horton at 155 going head to head with an Oakley and and really a, a a winner take all team championship kind of kind of match as as it turned out to be. And first we'll talk about Kendra Hurla, um, you know, amazing amazing wrestler. She beat Nicole Redmond, the four timer from Olathe South earlier this year. Actually pinned Redmond in that match, um, but she had her hands full. Leanna Landreth of Mulvane is is as good a wrestler as there is out there, and we knew it was going to be a, a battle. They they had faced twice this year. 
Erla had gotten a pin in one of those matches, but really kind of had to rally late to get that. And then in the other one, she had to score some back points in the final 10 seconds of the match to pull out an 11-10 victory. So we knew this this championship match was going to be a war, and it was everything we thought it would be. In fact, Landris comes out in the first period, and she takes Hurla to her back, gets her, gets her down. Uh, it's a four-point move. Hurla is able to kind of fight fight off her back real quick to to avoid a five-point near or a three-point near fall and being down five nothing. But uh, you know, Mulvane, the Landris, she's up four nothing. And you think, you know, this this might be the time that Hurla Hurla gets get gets gotten. And, and uh, uh, you know, Hurla ends up fighting back and, and cra- scrapes and fights and and she gets into a six-five uh, deficit going into the third period with a you know, with some with some points in that second period to kind of cut into Landris' lead. And then in the third period, uh, about midway through the period, she gets gets a reversal, goes on top 7-6. You think, okay, uh, here we go. She's going to, you know, she's going to ride Landreth out. Nope, Landreth, not much long after that. She gets a reversal, goes back up 8-7. And now you really think, okay, Hurla's in trouble here. She's just, you know, Landreth is so strong and, and just so such a good wrestler. And they, they know each other so well that, you know, whatever Hurla is going to try to pull out here, Landreth's going to fight it off. She's going to get that title and she's going to get the upset and deny Hurla history. Wrong again, wrong again. Here we are. Here we go. Uh, Hurla not only gets the reversal, but reverses Landreth to her back. And as uh, as time is expiring, the the referee's hand hits the mat one second before the clock expires. Hurla gets the pin, and that turns out to be huge. I mean, the the pin you get bonus points for a pin. It's a two point two point bonus point in the final, so you, they get that bonus point. And then when Haley Horton beats uh, Callie Wagner. Um, Four to three in the 155 pound final for a little bit of an upset. Uh, Wagner had won earlier when uh, she she got Horton at the Phillipsburg Invitational. Horton gets this win, and Rossville finishes with 82 and a half points. So they go up a half a point on Oakley, but Oakley still has one champ one uh, championship finalist left to go in this, uh, and it's an undefeated Tavia Kane of Kane, of of Oakley, who uh, at 170 pounds she was a state runner up a year ago. She's undefeated. You think, okay, well, you know, now Rossville, they did their part, put themselves in position to win it. Is Oakley going to answer? Well, Kane had the unfortunate uh, unfortunate pleasure of going against Kylie Dillo, who we talked about when we were talking about Olivia Steen earlier. She's undefeated at, uh, at 170 pounds as well. They go into it. Dillo takes Kane right to her back almost immediately in the period, gets a 5 nothing lead. And uh, unlike uh, unlike the Hurla Landreth match, Kane never is able to really get any offense going. And you know, you look over in the Schnoot corner, and it, it, they're they're light blue. You know, they they've got that baby blue comet uh, comet, but there was an awful lot of red and black sitting right behind them in that corner, uh, cheering them on. And you had Hurla, and you had Horton, and you had Kira Lecoq just just almost locked in, arm arm for arm, you know, side by side yelling, screaming, and all of a sudden they're crying because they see Dillo's going to win, and, and they know that that's locked up the state title, and uh, and and it does. Uh, Dillo gets the victory, and uh, Chanute finishes third with 80 points, but Rossville holds on, 82.5 points, Oakley 82 points, and Chanute 80 points. I mean, you can't ask for a much much better championship race, and, and Chanute actually could have won it. You know, they were state champions last year, and, and – uh, you know, if they had gotten a couple extra bonus points, they might have. Uh, Reese Clements gets them another state title at 135 with a major decision, so they got some bonus points there. But, you know, if Dillo gets that pin, 
that puts them at 82, and they're right there uh, tied with Oakley for second. But uh, Dilla couldn't quite get the pin, so they end up taking third. But it was just a just a, a wild finish. And and uh, it, you know Rossville, I said last year they were they were kind of cursing Chanute because they couldn't quite catch him in the team race. And this year they were shooting as number one uh, number one fans coming down the uh, <laughs> the the finals of, of on championship Saturday. And and uh, you know then going to. Uh, Going to our individual state champions, I talked about Gabby Coppice. Uh, you know, she's now a three-time state champion for Clay Center, three years undefeated. Um, she wins her third straight title at 125, and she beats Jill High of Augusta for the second straight year in the finals. Uh, you know, last year, High really had a shot at upsetting. She was up uh, with seven seconds to go in the match, but Coppice got a reversal and back points uh, in that final seven seconds to, to pull out the victory this year. Uh, High gets up two nothing in the title match, but Coppice is able to to work back and she takes a four two win to finish the season thirty six and zero, and now she's uh, you know undefeated in her career eighty six career pins I think ninety three and zero overall so you know she's right there when you talk about Sage Rosario being dominant Gabby Coppice is right there with her and so she was an undefeated state champion uh, also had an undefeated state champion at 130 with Amanda Yeager from Colby she defends her state title and she goes head to head with uh, Callan Devine of Halstead the freshman who was also undefeated going into that match uh, they were both 40 and 0 going into it but Yeager really kind of kind of pressed the issue early she said you know I really don't like to shoot but I decided I I might as well. And so she did and, and kind of got out on, on divine early and ends up winning that one seven to two. So Amanda Yeager finishes 41 and zero, and Callan divine finishes 40 and one. And then at one forty five, uh, Russell's Jaden and I, um, she gets an undefeated season goes 38 and zero. she takes a four, one win over Santa Fe trails, Haley crossing, Crossland to get her state champion. She was upset in the finals last year by uh, 135 by Kira Mullen of, of Smoky Valley. But this year, uh, Nye completes a, a really a dominant season. Very impressive. Uh, 38 no season, uh, getting her state title at 145. And then look at some other state champions at 100. Uh, Alexis Wall of Circle avenges a regional finals loss to Charlie Elliott of Abilene. She takes a 4-2 decision in overtime to get her state championship as a freshman uh, at 105. Another freshman, Harper Holmes of Frontenac. She pins Coffeyville's Emma Hall uh, in the finals to win at 105. At 110, uh, you know, that was a bracket that was kind of turned on its head. Uh, Chapman's Alyssa Kalovich went into the state tournament undefeated, defending state champion, but something was up with Kalovich this weekend. She got knocked off in the first round, lost her first consolation match. She went 0-2 this year, and that really opened things up. And Fort Scott's Kenna Miles took advantage. She beats Chase County's uh, Kinsey Rogers 8-5, to avenges a, avenges a regional finals loss there to, to Rogers, and she gets the state title at 110. At 115, Another three-time champion who, uh, like Coppice, now will try to go for four next year, uh, Holly Thatcher of Oskaloosa. She'd won at 100 as a freshman, 105 as a sophomore. This year, 115 probably was the deepest uh, deepest bracket of any of the girls' brackets in Class 4-1A. When you looked at one through six, it was just, just a loaded bracket. And uh, Holly, you know, she finds just found a way. You know, she uh, battled some bursitis, had, had surgery on her knee in September, and took a few losses this year like she really hadn't taken before. And so she kind of had to battle through that. But she knocks off number one Layla Tyndall in the semifinals, and then she beats – uh, Oakley's Kylie Hodges, the freshman in the finals, four to two, and another match that helped Rossville 
uh, to, to that state championship. So I'm so Rossville's uh, sending some thank yous to Holly Thatcher's way. And, and next year she'll be trying to go for that fourth. And she was already talking about how ready she is to make that happen. So um, at 120, you got Kendra Hurlug becoming the fourth state champion, which kind of interesting. Rossville now is the only school that has a boys four-timer and a girls four-timer. Uh, Tegan Lambot won four straight state titles for Rossville on the boys' side. Now Kendra Hurla gives them a, a four-timer on the girls' side, uh, finishing her season at 38-0 overall. Uh, 125, we had Gabby Coppice of Clay Center. 130, Amanda Yeager of Colby. 135, Reese Clements of Chanute. At 140, uh, Goodland's Destiny Gonzalez. She had uh, lost numerous times to Kadon Haig of uh, – uh, Ellis, who won the state title last year, but in the in the championship match, Gonzalez gets the uh, gets the revenge. She beats Hog uh, three to two to capture that state title. Finished thirty four and six at one thirty four. Talked about Jaden Nye of, of Russell at one fifty five. Haley Horton of Rossville getting the title over Callie Wagner one seventy. Dillo of Chanute. Uh, knocking off Kane in the Battle of Undefeateds. At 190, Wellington's Aubrey Hunt. She was runner-up last year uh, to Emily Schweitzer of Bueller, but she comes back and beats uh, Abby Brand of Winfield. That, that was the fourth time those two had faced each other this year. Uh, Hunt had beaten Brand at the very start of the season, uh, first tournament of the year. Brand had won everything since, uh, hadn't lost since, including two wins over Hunt, a pin, and a tech ball win. But uh, Hunt uh, just she wins the finals six to two and really it worked out for her. She, uh, she, she couldn't get an escape, but she kept getting up and was on her feet long enough that that Bren kept getting hit for stalling for not being able to take her back down to the match. And that really worked, ended up working out for Hunt's favor. She had, she got two points and a locked hands penalty without ever getting off a of bottom. And then by the time she got off bottom, you know, she had a, had a, had a decent lead and was able to hold on and, and win that one. And then at two thirty five, pale is Kenna Leonard. Just her second year ever of wrestling, and she's a state champion. She beats uh, McPherson Sierra Rousen, who was the number one ranked wrestler. She beats uh, Sierra eight to one in the championship match to get her state championship. And so a, a great, uh, a great girls four through one a. You know, just keeps getting better and better and deeper and deeper with so many good girls really progressing this year, and a lot of young girls uh, were state champions this year. And so I expect next year's tournament will be a great one. But that team race was just fun, kind of trying to monitor it as it came down the stretch and okay, how, how, what's going to happen? Who's going to win? And, and I was sitting next to uh, Jeff Reeser from Rossville. He was taking pictures for them and he was, he was almost beside himself. Just, this is what could happen. I mean, he was just going back and forth and just watching everybody trying to go through the scenarios was, uh, was, was fun to watch and made for a, a great tournament. And uh, so congratulations to all of our state champion wrestlers. Uh, uh, another wrestling season in the books and a lot of great, uh, great performances and great champions. Uh, and like we said, saw history this year with our first four-timer girls champions. Uh, Nicole Redmond can actually lay claim to be in the first, and she took the mat uh, about a half hour or so before Kendra Hurley got hers, even though they were in the, the same weight class. Uh, Wichita was running a little bit ahead of things at Salina. So Nicole Redmond, technically the first, but you got three first four three first-time four-time state champions on the girls' side with a chance to see uh, three more coming next year and so that will wrap up state wrestling for the year we got all kinds of stories talking about to talking about all these state championships uh Keisha covered interviewed every single state champion 
and we'll have a write-up on each and every one of them. We've already got plenty of wrestling content up on our website, uh, all the team championship stories and, and several of the uh, individual state championship stories. So be checking out Keisha Covered uh, to read about all the state this year's state champions. And and no sooner do we barely wrap up wrestling and still wrapping up wrestling with uh, you know a few stories still to come. But lo and behold, we got state bowling that that bright and early tomorrow morning in Wichita, I'll be hitting the road to go join Scott down there for some state bowling. And for the first time, we have uh, three classes of, of state bowling. Before, we had uh, Class 6A had their own, and then Class 5 through 1A were together. Well, this year, 5A is on, on their own by themselves, and Class through 4 through 1A is uh, – now has their own classification and that opens the door for some teams that have kind of been knocking on the door anyway, Scott, uh, especially teams from your area that have kind of been in the hunt in class five through one a, but just quite haven't quite been able to get it done. But now a uh, golden opportunity for them to, uh, to add a state championship to their, their team's trophy case. Um, so let's take a look at the, uh, at those four, a regional champions uh, on the boys side, you had McPherson and Hayden, Wichita Trinity, and Andale were your boys' regional champions. And then on the girls' side, you had Bueller, Hayden, Chanute, and Wichita Central Christian were your girl, girls' regional champions. So uh, eight teams qualified for state in Class 4A. Uh, Bueller's been a program knocking on the door for years in Class 4A and Wichita Trinity. Boys have also been a, a very strong program. Uh, with the opportunity now for them to win state champions. And then Class 5A, uh, 4A will take place on Wednesday uh, down in Wichita at the Bolero, the Alley. And then uh, 5A and 6A will be held at Bolero, North Rock, with 6A on Thursday and 5A on Friday. Uh, For 6A, your regional champions for the boys were Olathe South, Derby, and Mill Valley. And for the girls, the regional champions were Shawnee Mission West, uh, campus and Washburn Rural. And then in Class 5A, your boys' regional champions were Eisenhower, Seaman, and Piper. Piper, the defending champion. And on the girls' side, Bishop Carroll, Seaman, and Baser Linwood were your regional champions. And uh, Seaman's regional there from the girls' side was loaded. Uh, last year, our top three finishers at state were Great Bend, Salina South, and Seaman. All three of those teams were in that Seaman regional uh, this past week. And uh, so that was just a loaded regional for them to try to come through. And so uh, we'll have lots of bowling action coming at you later this week. Uh, your defending champions um, in, in Class 6A were the Washburn Rural Boys, who didn't qualify as a team this year, and the Olathe East girls, who also did not qualify. They were they, were, they had the five seniors a year ago uh, that graduated their entire team, so it was going to be tough for them to get back. But uh, Washburn Rural also graduated a number of a number of seniors off last year's title team. Uh, your state uh, returning state champions in 5A uh, are, uh, excuse me, the Great Bend girls and the Piper boys. They'll both be back to try to defend their, their state championships. And then uh, we'll, obviously we'll have new champions down in Class 4A. And Scott, I was, I was talking about the new opportunities here in Class 4 through 1A for some of these programs that have kind of been knocking on the door. Well, now they've get a chance to really go out and try to uh, try to get a state title this year. To your point, I think uh, you know there have been a couple programs down here at the uh, uh, five through one A tournament, smaller schools than five A that have been able to compete over time and kind of establish themselves. And and Bueller is certainly one of them. They've won state titles in the past, and and uh, you know last year their girls were on the on the 
doorstep of a trophy, finished fourth. Well, this year they get to, to compete in the, the four through one A division and, and uh, talked to coach Skip Wilson yesterday about that. And, uh, you know, I think that to, to, for him and his players, I think it's, a uh, uh, you know, it's a, it's a good opportunity for teams. I think the, the, uh, you know, anything that grows the sport is good and having a third division, uh, trying to get these smaller schools that, to, to establish programs. This is a great invitation to do that. Uh, Bueller is one who is established and, and will have a chance to, to, you know, to, to win, particularly on the girls' side. They've got three seniors back, including Tegan Nelson, who's who's second in the, you know, entire state in girls uh, in season average and has rolled a 792 series in a 300 game. Uh, so Bueller, you know, certainly comes in with a uh, maybe a new life for the team competition. And, you know, I talked to Tegan yesterday, and, and she says, you know, I think from a team standpoint, it's a really good opportunity because we still have some bowlers, and this is going to be a common theme with these smaller schools, a lot of bowlers coming out that haven't bowled before, period. Bueller does have some who have, and, and that really kind of gives them an advantage just to have a nucleus like that. And and uh, Tegan's counterpoint was, you know, I'd still like to compete against these five, these top 5A bowlers because I, like, I just like to compete. But, but uh, from a team standpoint, I think it's a good invitation for teams like Bueller, Wichita Trinity has been another one that's had an outstanding program, a 3A high school, uh, who's been able to, to kind of swim with the big fishes at the 5 through 1A tournament. And their boys team is, is sensational this year and, and uh, will probably be, you know, maybe a favorite to, to take that first boys title in 4 through 1A. But uh, yeah, it's, it, it, it's a sign of growth. And, and I think, uh, you know, talking to Coach Wilson at Bueller, you know, he really is interested in in the method of how they can foster that growth for the four through one, a classification. And, and uh, you know, his suggestion is maybe, you know, a lot of times Keisha will allow consolidation for programs and then split the programs up at the state time. He'd like to maybe see those teams be able to stay together through state. He thinks that could help maybe grow the sport at that level uh, here, you know, in, in its infancy of the four through one, a division, but, but anyway, a, a new class and, and probably time for that because this is a growing sport. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. You've got eight teams in the boys and girls fields for for four through one A and nine in the in the five A and six A. So uh, a good opportunity for for more kids to get that state experience and and uh, you know it'll be at a different venue for four through one A. It'll be at the the alley uh, 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 as opposed to North Rock Lanes for for those who are familiar with the bowling uh, landscape. And uh, but uh, uh, I'm looking forward to it just to see how this how this new uh, division plays out. Yes, well, I'll see you bright and early on Wednesday morning <laughs> as we uh, as we get to take in those Class 4A and then spend the week together uh, uh, with 6A and 5A to come later in the week. And so we will talk a little bit about the bowling championships next week when we come back at you. Again, we're on that weekly basis right now. And then we'll also preview some state basketball next week as well as with sub-state basketball. Uh, being held this week, and uh, we haven't even had chance or time to, to really touch on that. But uh, some great, uh, great sub-states out there. Uh, I know in, in Class 3A girls, uh, there are a couple really strong ones at Silver Lake and then down in Scott's area um, where just some loaded, loaded sub-states where some good teams are going to be left home. But cl- that's Class 3A girls. I mean, it, it's it's probably the deepest of any of the classifications when, in, when you look at the records across the state. And so um, there's going to be a lot of good basketball tournament, uh, sub-state tournament, state preview stuff to talk about next week. We'll talk about state championship bowl. Uh, when we get back to you uh, next week with our podcast and so unless anybody else has anything else we've uh, we've covered quite a bit here it's a lengthy one but 
So was so was the last day of state wrestling. So I think the state wrestling podcast <laughs> should kind of follow suit. Uh, and uh, we're all here at one site celebrating each other and everything. But uh, no, uh, it, it was it was a long week, but an entertaining week. And I think I think we all had a good time at our state wrestling tournaments and 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 seeing the action and writing the stories about state wrestling. And so we will talk to you again next week. Bowling and basketball next week on the agenda, and then that will wrap up uh, wrap up the winter sports season. Uh, we'll come back with you with a, a recap of state basketball and kind of kind of tease some of our all state basketball selections uh, the next time we come out to you on our podcast. And so, for Brent Maycock, Scott Pask, Mac Moore, and Ricky Peterson, we are signing off for the Casey Covered Podcast, brought to you by Cat Pet True Blue. 